Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. This is a two-part episode on the narcissist prayer, a guide through the circular conversations and manipulative tactics of a covert narcissist. The narcissist prayer. That didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, that's not a big deal. And if it is, it's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if it did, you deserved it. This short verse illustrates the inner workings of a narcissist mind. It sums up all the gaslighting, denial, guilt manipulation, passive aggressiveness, blame shifting, victim playing, and absolutely no give. A covert narcissist will not give you an inch in any conversation. At no point will they give you the space to be right about something, to feel validated in your feelings, to feel respected and cared for. This lack of give shows up in everything they do. And I explain this more in more detail in an episode titled The Agonizing Lack of Give in a Covert Narcissist. If you missed that episode, go back and take a listen to it. It was from May of this year. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If these podcasts are helpful to you, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please help build our audience and hit that favorite button to help increase our visibility. We are reaching more and more people every single day, people just like you struggling in their life. If you are in a position to be able to help others, please make a donation to our cause through this podcast. Now let's continue. Again, the narcissist prayer. That's what this episode is about. Here it is again. That didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, that's not a big deal. And if it is, that's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if I did, you deserved it. The truth is simply whatever serves the covert narcissist at that particular time. This truth changes as needed, sometimes at a very quick pace. And this plays into everything we've been talking about in these episodes. The circular conversations from hell, the thousand bee stings, the passive aggressiveness and gaslighting, crazy making at its best. When you have been hurt by someone you love, you desire reconciliation with them. This is normal. This is healthy. You want to clear the air and you want to make things right. You want to voice your feelings and you want that person to show compassion and understanding. When they do, it is an amazing release of the internal pressure and friction. It's a shared moment of mutual vulnerability and validation. However, when you don't have this, the internal pressure and friction builds and builds until one day it it explodes. This internal pressure affects who you are and how you behave. I discussed this in a mini-series of five episodes over the last three weeks, and if you missed that, go back and take a listen. But when you are with a covert narcissist and trying to find that place of reconciliation, this narcissist prayer that I have just read sums up what happens incredibly well. Now let's take a closer look at each step of it. The first step, that didn't happen. So have you ever gone to that covert narcissist in your life and tried to explain to them that what they did hurt you? One of their immediate responses is something like, that didn't happen or I didn't do that, or that's not how it went, or you're remembering it wrong. 
All of these responses make you question your own memory and reality. But remember what I said, the truth is simply whatever serves the narcissist at that particular moment. The truth is on shifting sand. I'll give you a personal example from, from my situation. So one morning, my husband and I were getting ready to start our day. He was getting ready to, for work, and I was getting our boys ready for school. Our youngest, probably around 14 at the time, was not feeling well. He had not been feeling well the night before and was actually showing several signs of, of being sick, including a really bad headache. And because of that headache, he was struggling to focus and to be productive. And he didn't have all of his homework done, but I just had told him, why don't you go on to go to bed? It, go, go ahead and go to bed. It was clear to me he wasn't feeling well. And so now here we are the next morning and I went in to check on him. He was feeling slightly better, but really not great. He, he was not like down for the count sick. He wasn't running a fever, but, but definitely congested, definitely pressure in his head. And he definitely was not feeling good, feeling good. And he asked if he could stay home that day. So I told him, yes. I said, look, why don't you get a few more hours of sleep? Let's shake this thing off. And when you when you're, get up and you're feeling a little bit better, why don't you go ahead and get that homework done that you didn't get done last night? So he climbed back into bed. Now, I, needed, I, was, I knew I was going to have to deal with my husband, my covert narcissistic husband. He always wanted every detail about anything that was going on, at least whenever he wanted. Sometimes he didn't want the details. And he made that clear, but then other times he wanted all the details and it didn't matter. It's just whatever he wanted is what, you know, had to happen. And so I never knew if he would want to know what was going on or not going on. So I was just trying to avoid an issue completely. So I went into our bathroom, which is where he was. And I told him about our son. I told him that he would use the day to rest and get, get to feeling better and to get caught up on his homework. Well, he went into that quiet, silent mode. And I know this mode all too well. It means that he's upset. I don't know if you got this kind of silent treatment, but it was when he would just shut down in conversation and go completely silent. And I knew, I knew, okay, the, the shoe's about to drop. He's unhappy. And I just left the room. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. I've told you what I needed to tell you. And I just left the room. But before I could make it out of our bedroom, he spoke up. Can we talk about this? Oh, I hated that phrase. I hated it. Why can't he just have a normal conversation with me about it as we're talking in the bathroom? Like, why can't we just have a normal conversation? Now it has to become this big ordeal. Can we sit down and talk about this for a minute? And I hate that phrase. And he went on to say, I feel like you've decided that education is no longer important for our boys. I feel like you don't value it anymore. What? You've got to be kidding me. I hold a master's in education. I work in the education field. Our boys are in the international baccalaureate program in high school, and they're kicking it. They're pulling straight A's. And you're telling me that I don't value education? I, I help them with their schoolwork. I encourage them to make sure they're on top of everything. I thought, this is crazy. And I told him how I felt about that statement. Yeah, I reacted some. It was completely unfair and unvalidated. Our son is simply sick. He just needed a day. Why are you turning this into an attack on me? Well, he starts yelling at me and says, I can't even have a conversation with you anymore without raising my voice. And he storms off and, and leaves the house and heads to work. Whew, now I'm exhausted. I know he's mad. I can't do anything right. And I'm exhausted. So that night, I'm sitting on the patio after dinner and he comes outside. 
And he says, can we talk about what happened this morning? And all I can think is, here we go again. But I say, sure. So he starts. He says, I don't like that I can't talk to you anymore without yelling. And I stopped him and said, hey, let's back up a little bit here. We were fine having somewhat of a conversation about our children and about our son until you told me that education is no longer important to me. You told me that I don't value it for our boys. And that is so far from the truth, it really upset me. His next words, I never said that. Those four words. Once he goes there, it's over. I never said that. I didn't say that to you. There is no longer any point in this conversation. I've lived through so many circular conversations that I know exactly how this goes. And of course, I try anyways. I said, well, that's what you said. It's the whole reason I got upset. But his reply is, I would never say that. I know it's not true, so why would I say it? And it's just, it's over. Like, there's nothing I, there's nothing left to say to him. Telling me that it never happened puts a complete roadblock in the way of the entire conversation. Now you're discussing something that in his or her mind doesn't even exist. Saying it didn't happen shuts that part of the conversation completely down. So now they can go on about how you reacted to what they didn't say and how this reaction hurt them so much that now he had to yell at me and how he's upset about that. And, and it's all my fault that we can't have simple conversations. But on the inside, I am that grenade waiting to explode. Narcissists have to feel good about themselves. This is an essential part of their personality disorder. They desperately need to feel special, superior, perfect. And in order, this, this is in order to distract them from their underlying feeling of worthlessness. To accept the blame for their bad behavior would challenge this image that they hold on to and they fight so hard to protect. They simply deny things. They do it so well that it's easy to get lost in their reality. You know, I start questioning, did he say it? Did he not say it? I know he said it. Like, this is one of those moments where I'm like, no, you're not changing reality here. But if you push far enough, or offer some kind of proof, anything that pushes us to the next step, here's where it goes. If it did happen, it wasn't that bad. That's line number two. See, minimization is another effective tactic of the covert narcissist. Remember, the truth is whatever serves the narcissist at that particular moment. If the topic at hand is not serving their need to feel special and important, then they would just become extremely dismissive of this topic. It's just no longer important, just like your feelings. Like you're telling them, okay, you upset me with that statement. It just wasn't that bad. Like it just doesn't matter anymore. They have no ability to recognize how their words and actions affect your feelings. So whatever they did, it's just, you know, it was not nearly as bad as, as what you think. And it's not nearly as bad as what you did. My oldest son, he once described it to me using arrows. So imagine that everyone has a quiver full of arrows. And when two people are in conversation with each other, they're shooting arrows back and forth to each other. Some arrows pierce and hurt, but other arrows, they're more like Cupid's arrows and they encourage you know, mutual love and connection. Well, when you're talking with a covert narcissist, they only see the arrows that are firing at them. And all of them are threatening. They only see the arrows that are coming in their direction. They do not see their own arrows. They have no idea that they are shooting arrows at you. And, and so they have no idea why the other person reacts. 
either in a good way or a bad way. They don't understand that. They don't see it. All they see are the arrows that are coming at them and all of those arrows, even the good things you say, even when you when you say something you're expecting to be a positive in the in the conversation, all of the arrows firing at them are a threat. A covert narcissist is extremely controlling and they are very passive aggressive about it. They make very subtle attempts at controlling how others see external situations. And when the subtle doesn't work, they certainly can become more aggressive about it. They minimize all sorts of things. They minimize their own bad behavior. They minimize your achievements as well as your problems. And this tactic allows them to control how others, even you, see them and thus to continue to protect their own image. Remember, what we're saying is the, the, the line of the narcissist prayer, that didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. In this developing circular conversation, you might find yourself trying to teach a full-grown adult basic communication skills and common decency. They're saying it wasn't that bad. And now you're trying to explain to them why it was. But remember, they don't see their own arrows. And they love that you're trying to teach them this because now they can tell you that you are being condescending and insensitive. They can express how superior they are, that they already know all of this. Well, I already know. I know how to communicate with people. And, and it's not even worth their time to discuss it. So again, they're very dismissive of all of it. Let's go to line number three. So I'm going to read it from the beginning. That didn't happen. Number two, if it did, it wasn't that bad. And number three, if it was, that's not a big deal. Well, this goes right along with the second one. It's just a continuation of that circular conversation. It leads us to talking about gaslighting. Now, what is gaslighting? If, I'm sure you've heard this you know, term by now if you're studying about narcissism. In short, gaslighting is making someone question their own reality. It's making them think that they are perceiving something incorrectly. They say things like, well, you're thinking about it all wrong. You aren't seeing that right, or you took that all the wrong way. You always read into things wrong. This is all signs of gaslighting. And when gaslighting is a normal occurrence in your life, when it's happening on a daily basis or maybe even hourly basis to you, you stop trusting yourself. You doubt your own perception of reality. You start relying on that covert narcissist to be your voice of reason, and you go with what they say. Why? Because they have pushed you to doubt yourself enough times and you desire to trust them. You desire, this is an intimate relationship. You desire to believe them. You desire to trust them. And they keep pushing you to doubt your perspective of things. So now you feel insecure and hesitant. And maybe you just give in with what they say because it's the path of least, least resistance. It keeps peace, at least externally. Giving in is a quicker path out of those circular conversations. It's a quicker way to get them to back off. However, this leaves you, the victim, with a ton of internal mixed up emotions. Why do I feel this way? Why does it hurt when it talks to me? He talks to me that way or she talks to me that way. Am I wrong to feel this way? Am I making a big deal out of nothing? Maybe they're right. All of these are ways that you start to doubt yourself. And this internal confusion is exactly what the covert narcissist wants. It keeps you easily manipulated and controlled. They can now use you to feed their unfillable need for attention, adoration, drama, and even conflict. 
Gaslighting is a sure way to leave a victim with that grenade inside of a tank feeling. Dangerously explosive yet surrounded by a wall of steel. That episode is called A Grenade Inside a Tank. This was released back in July of this year. Now, let's keep going. If you've made it this far in the circular conversation with the covert narcissist and you are still holding your ground, things here will take a distinct turn. We're going to look at that turn in the very next episode. Now, I am doing this in two episodes and the next one will be released on Wednesday. So I will catch you on Wednesday to finish this out. So let me read that narcissist prayer one more time and I'm going to tell you this turn we're about to take. That didn't happen, and if it did, it wasn't that bad, and if it was, that's not a big deal. But here's where the turn happens. And if it is, that's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it, and if it did, you deserved it. There's a distinct turn here where we go away from, you know, the gaslighting and and the, you know, changing reality, trying to convince you that it didn't happen or that it wasn't that big of a deal to now saying, okay, fine, it happened, but it's not my fault. We turn to blame shifting and victim playing. All of these now enter this conversation. So I want to dive into that next time. I hope you can join us and I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.